Okay, welcome to another episode of A Beer with Atlas. I'm Rich. I am Brian. And this week, we have not one, but two beers. Not because Dolan's here, but... If he... Yeah, if that was the reason, we'd need four. We'd need four. That's true. That's absolutely true. Uh, no, we have two because uh, one of our recruiters, Heather Kylan, has brought us uh, a, a, a couple from Galveston Island Brewing Company. Uh, we've got a Tiki Wheat and the Citra Mellow IPA. So, direct from Galveston. Never seen this, never heard of it before. I can't wait. Nope. Very uh, hippie-looking cans. At least, at least the uh, Citra Mellow it is. Looks very... Uh, very nice. hippie. So, which one? What do you want to get into first? Well, I think let's do the IPA first because the wheat one can handle getting a little bit warmer. Okay. IPA, we want to get to that one pretty quick. Yeah. So let's let's. Ooh, golly! Yep. yep. Wish that was my ringtone. It's. <laughs> That'd be cool. It's Dolan's ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Whoa, that's and it's too bad that we're pouring these into a. We really need these in a glass because it looks pretty. Uh, Pretty hazy. Hmm. Look, it's yeah, it does as it pour it. Yeah, you see it come out of there. It looks pretty, pretty yeah. hazy. Thank you. There we go. Spilled all over the table here too. Oh geez. So thank you, Heather Kylan, for uh, for both of these. We're gonna go with the Citra Mellow IPA first, an Indian pale ale that boasts citrus resin flavors from the extensive use of citra hops. Cool. Well, right. Cheers. Let's right, taste cheers. this. It smells amazing. That's an IPA. Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little IPA on the front, and yep. then it, it finishes real nice. Yeah, it's not, it's not like a, a hazy style IPA. It's more of a traditional, but mm-hmm. not piney or yep. not real bitter. Very easy drinking, man. Yeah. That it, that's good. I like that a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's not, uh, that's not too bad. All right, so hit me with some knowledge here because we've done both of these styles mm-hmm. already. Yeah, and you said you've got a a little bit different this week. Yeah, so. I'm gonna I tried a different route. Um, Try to keep, you know, people interested in what we're talking about. So Mm -hmm. this one, um, I decided to reach just the Citra Hop itself, since that was kind of the name, and that's the main main one in this brew. Good. Um, The first time that it was around or was developed was in 1990 by these two fellas, Gene Probasco and John Haas. I don't think he's the Haas from the Haas Avocados, but Mm. they were hop, um, not necessarily farmers, but like, just scientists, dudes that were trying to make different kinds of hops, which is still a huge industry right now. Yep. Um, maybe people don't know this, but when they develop a new hop, it's usually a year or two before they even name it. So most of the time they come out with um, like like an anagram and a number so they can keep them all straight. Okay. So um, when they first brought this one out, um, it was just like that. It had a number. It was like HC230 or something like that. And they had uh, one plant was grew out of this thing that they created in 1990. Uh, so by 1992, they had one plant. And then by 2003, there was 21 plants. So, wow. I mean, it's not like a huge no. thing, right? So this is something else that I learned today. And I didn't know that this was, was something that was possible, but um, it kind of makes sense. Breweries are able to basically buy or license the hops, right? Okay. So they have people that go and try these hops and smell them and taste them, and they figure out if that's something that they want to invest in or not, and then they will invest that money into that strain. We'll call it a strain. Sure. Um, and then they own the rights to that hop. 
and then they can develop it further. They can cultivate it more. They can okay. do whatever they want to do. They can use it. Mm-hmm. So they're like they have licensing rights for that specific one. Okay. So three different breweries owned a Citra hop up until um, about 2008. And then I don't know if the licensing went out or it mm-hmm. was actually finally used. Um, but the first beer that was ever it was ever put into was one by the Widmer Brothers, which I think is like Midwest, Milwaukee area, maybe Wisconsin. They used to have their beer in Nebraska a few years ago. I want to say it sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. They kind had, of. They had like a, a pineapple IPA I remember having before. Um, but they brewed that just like as a, a beer in their tap room. It wasn't mm-hmm. bottled or anything like that. And it was submitted in. It won a gold medal in the World Beer Championship in 2008. Hmm. So it takes what is that 18 years to be from creation to being in a the best beer of that category um in the history so that's that and then after that sierra nevada came on board Mm -hmm. 2008 also and they put it in the first bottled beer okay that ever had citra and that was the torpedo which is still around yes um and then that one spread to deschutes Mm-hmm. Up in that same kind of a little bit further north than Sierra Nevada. Yep. Uh, and that was, and it is still currently in the Fresh Squeeze IPA. So yep. that's kind of the first big time explosion for, for this hop. So how did the, so if you go back to the original three that owned it, mm-hmm. do they still own it? Is it a licensing thing? I think they owned it for a certain amount of time. Because mm-hmm. from my research showed that um, they can have a five-year deal, like it's almost like free agency, right? Okay. So you can have this specific strain or brand or whatever for five years. Huh. And then it either you re-up or probably by then that they don't even make that strain. There's already something different. Sure. Because um, everything is just always evolving and mixing together, and that's just the name of the game. So right. um, even today, currently, there's beers, and I, I know Boulevard does this, because um, you said you recently went to the Boulevard tour right yes so they i know they have like a special bar in there mm-hmm. that's just like experimental beers i spent some time at that one yeah yes. and oh, they're yeah. like crowlers are like 32 bucks a crowler mm-hmm. because it's so small batch and limited but a lot of the beers that they use there are just unnamed hops because they're so new that they don't even have a name for the, the hop itself wow so they're just putting in you know hc 534 mm-hmm. or PB221, like that's the names of these hops. And that's how fresh and new they are because, like, everybody's trying to find the next big thing. Yep. So that explains so much that they had a, it was this past summer and they had a triple hop IPA. Mm -hmm. And, but then they didn't list, normally they'll list the hops out, right? And they They probably did. It was probably just looked like code, just looked like letters and numbers. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember enough. We tried it. It was, it was an IPA, that's for sure. Yeah. Cause I know, I know that they do that. Um, Right now, most of the experimental hops are being produced in Utah and Idaho. Like, that's mm. where a lot of this has taken place. Utah and Idaho. Mm-hmm. And it's just different um, due to, like, where the mountain range is and the, okay. and the basically the climate, the environment, gives these hops different characteristics and flavors. And that's, right now in America, the hot area for hops. So I would assume that it's, like, 
growing grapes for wine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Certain areas, California, are better than other areas. Or... For sure. Okay, interesting. And there's, you know, different hops do better in different environments. Like there's hops that are grown in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not shipping them all the way to Washington to make IPA, but, sure. uh, you know, if you want to be that person that brews a beer that's all ingredients from here, which mm-hmm. is like Boiler has done that before, right? Um, then you can definitely get hops from, from Nebraska. This strain of hop is very... Um, susceptible to aphids okay the bug like mm-hmm. that's their main problem and they are pretty res- resistant to um what they call like hop um oh what's the term basically there's like a hop frost or a hop um like a fungus like a okay that can get on some of these and like and, a rot yeah maybe. okay so um they're kind of resilient for that and that's one of the reasons that they use this hmm. and then the last thing i found for us is a couple other beers that are in this general area of the Midwest mm-hmm. that are specifically only citra hops. Okay. Sudasu. Yes. And Zombie Dust. Oh, and I've heard of that. I don't think I've ever tried So that's tried from it. Three Floyds in mm-hmm. Indiana, and that's a, that's a cool... That's a cool brewery that's to go if, to. If you know anything about Mr. Steve Seitner, he loses his mind over Three Floyds. It's, you know, it's a good reason to. Mm-hmm. Um, they are basically a heavy metal mm-hmm. beer company. Yep. So their labels are all skulls and rotting flesh and um, like Man of War album covers, if you know that yeah. band, uh, axes, and uh, it's gruesome and awesome. Hmm. And it's very busy there. They, When I was there, I waited an hour in line just to buy a T-shirt and some beer to go. It was three-hour wait wow. to get into the actual brewery. And it was raining and it was 38 degrees. Oh. And that was on like a Tuesday. Wow. Yeah, so they, they at the time they were expanding, mm-hmm. which was about, I think this is about three years ago that I was there, and they like quadrupled the size of their production, mm-hmm. but they still don't get anywhere close to here. Wow. Yeah, somebody bought him a tin sign from Three Floyds, and oh, he yeah. peed his pants. Yeah, Loved I know it. he collects those yes. tin tacks, yeah. Loved it. Oh. So that's that's what I got for us on, on Citra Hops. All right, so go ahead and get into yours. Here's my take on it so far. This is probably one of the most easy drinking IPAs I've ever had. Once you get into it, yeah. it is it's very hop forward in the beginning. So super like kind of piney, mm-hmm. um, that woody kind of hop flavor, but then it finishes super nice. So yeah. and a couple years ago I would not have liked it one bit. I wouldn't liked how it started. But if if you're one of those people that are just trying to get into an IPA, this this isn't bad. This is a this is a decent yeah. representation of a lighter IPA. It's got, in the middle, like, it's got, like, almost a fruity flavor. Yeah. Like, I would say, and this is probably because I'm staring right at it, but it's almost like a melon flavor to me. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Oh, what's that green melon? The um, honeydew. Honeydew. Thanks, hmm. Dolan. There you go, Dolan. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. He surprises us sometimes. Seen one of those on the internet or what? Yep. Cool. <laughs> honeydew. There I it can is. See that? I that's can where see I get. That. That's what I get in the middle of this thing. Yeah. And you're right about the. Uh, it, it looks like it should be on a tie-dyed T-shirt. Mm-hmm. This logo. Let me tell you about. Okay, so get into that one a little bit more, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into the wheat here. So I'm almost done with mine here. Ooh, Galveston okay. Island Brewing Company. Um, so Galveston is is an island, right? I mean, that's they're connected by a bridge. Is this per, from what I understand? Per Dolan. Yeah, Dolan tells us that. And maybe Heather could, she could uh, let us know on this too. But connected by a bridge to land, otherwise they're they're an island, um, one block from the beach. So this brewery is one block away from the beach, yeah. which sounds awesome in and of itself. Yes, 
um, unless it's there's a unless hurricane. There's, yeah, hurricane would be bad. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, they always have eleven different beers on tap. Uh, very dog and kid friendly. It looks like their their patio area is just picnic tables and kids games. And uh, there's uh, on their website many pictures: dogs, kids playing bags. Not dogs playing bags, but kids playing bags. Kids, you know, doing. Uh, What's the big Jenga game that they make with like the two by fours and stuff? Mm. Yep. Very, yep. very outdoorsy, kind of family friendly place. Um, they do have some food available. They call it pub grub. So right. The, yeah. You know, the pretzels and stuff like soft pretzels and things like yeah. that. So, but not a big menu. Big enough, though, like if you wanted something to eat that you could find something. And I'm guessing there. this is, you know, this part of the of Galveston is probably a fairly touristy if it's I've, right by the beach. So there's probably a lot of options for, for meals too. So they're probably mm-hmm. just, you know, trying to hook you with the, with the good beer. Yep. Why compete when if yeah. you know you do something, do what you do good, do which is well. probably make these kind of beers, man, this would taste good on the beach too. Wouldn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah, oh my gosh. Would. Yeah. Uh, so tap room open Monday through Thursday, three to nine, Friday, three to midnight, Saturday, noon to midnight. So, I mean, there must be a lot of traffic on the beach there on Saturdays, which doesn't surprise me at all. And then Sunday, noon to noon to nine. Um, I, I love the story, and as as I read about where they came from, I couldn't find when they started. But the guy who the guy who started this was a thirty year home brewer by the name of Mark Deloso. Almost and like Mark DeRosa. Almost like Mark DeRosa. Probably not as good of a second baseman, Probably but not. or utility. I guess DeRosa yeah, is was, more utility, yeah. right? Um, for you Cubs fans out there. Um, but his regular job while he was homebrewing for 30 years was he was a tugboat captain. What a, the, They got to be around the island. Now, right. right? All what a together. cool job. Huh. Tugboat so, captain. He's, he's known as Captain Bill. Like cool. that's, his, that's his thing. Everyone knows him there as Captain Bill. He's, he'll always be a tugboat captain, but he makes uh, – he, he turned his dream of, of being a, a brewer into, uh, into a reality. That's that's tugging at my heartstrings. I know. Rich, nice job. I I was I love these stories. As we get into these and you learn about who started this business and yeah. why they started it and stuff. Homebrewing for thirty years. You know how many times people told him, This is really good. You should you should do this. Yep. Finally yeah. he listened. I gotta go to work. Maybe it was a re- was it a retirement thing? Maybe just to keep him busy or he still does both. Who knows? He just loves it. It says former tugboat captain. Yeah. Maybe he's so. full time. You know, brewmaster. Mm-hmm. Man, I can't wait for this other one I got on deck. I'd, I'd like to get some of this up here. Like, oh get yeah, some distribution. This would be amazing in summertime. So for a for an IPA, it's six point four ABV. Yeah, not bad. And then, but it's only thirty eight IBUs, so it's that's you know, low. Very not very bitter yeah. for an IPA at all. Yeah, for sure. That's really low. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually when they're put in the brew, you're probably talking 80 IBUs. Wow. So this is probably all done after that. It's probably dry hopped at the end. Mm-hmm. And most of your hop is going to the flavor and the uh, aroma. So when you smell it, yep. that's where most of that IBUs probably coming from. It's all in the front. It's all the beginning. What's it say on their side? It says drink something, drink local. Drink responsible, drink local. Yeah, that's a good idea. Then brewed on island on the very bottom here. And then Galveston Brewing Company, huge logo on the side there, so... Cool. Yeah. Well, Tap thanks room. for this one. Yeah. That was good. Heather, that was, I was, I'm always cautious with IPAs because you never know. You know what? A year from now, that won't even be in your mind. I know. You won't even be scared. You'll just be like, I can't wait. 
You know what? You you know who ruined it for me? Odell. Really? And I love Odell beers. Yeah. Out of Colorado, but I had gosh, I can't remember which one it is. It was a double. The double standard. I don't remember. They're, was it the black IPA or was it the other one? No. Mercenary, I bet you it was. Yeah, I bet it was mercenary. Yeah. That tastes like straight pine cones. It's yeah, it's got a lot of IBUs. It's got like 120 IBUs. I, I think. couldn't finish it. I couldn't, yeah. and I I just it's okay. also really strong too. It's I've like met my match here. That was that was Cried it. Uncle on that one. Yeah. Thanks, Odell. <laughs> I love the rest of your beers though. Yeah. Well, you just know what not to get after mm-hmm. that one. That's okay. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So the second one. I'm surprised Dolan hasn't gotten into this one yet. We haven't hear him, heard him open it yet. Nope. The, it's too far away. Yeah, it is too far away from him. Tiki Wheat. The It's a wheat beer. Uh, 5.8% ABV. 16 IBUs. Yeah, that's that's low. Mm, here we go. Nice. The, uh, the IPA doesn't have this on here, but it says, pairs well with hammocks, pools, beer goggles, and beaches. Dolan, you know what beer goggles are? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Just checking. He probably yeah. yes. You were in Vegas. That's right. Yeah. All right. Ooh, weedy. <laughs> Weety. So I've learned that uh, wheat beers make me feel very bloated sometimes. Yeah, that's a lot of grain in there. Is that? Is that? Yeah. It's just so bready, mm-hmm. and that kind of makes you feel like you're. Actually, eat well. You know that's why they call it liquid bread. Liquid is that what they the yeah. wheat beer? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So mm-hmm. let's uh, let's give this one tiki wheat pairs well with beaches. And you got to really pronounce that right. Beaches. Beaches. Yeah, that's got the banana y flavor. Yes, to it, it does. It's like a kind of like a hefeweizen, but it's not overpowering. Nope. I, I could drink that. Would no. be really good with a lemon peel. In there, mm-hmm. that would be really good to accentuate some of that fruit flavor. Yeah, kind of pull. What out does that, that do exactly? So, I, a lot of people. I mean, you always see Blue Moon with the mm-hmm. orange, right? What is what does the little piece of fruit in there do? It's really it's a couple things. It's kind of tr- to trick your brain to like, and it's also kind of enhance what's under the surface. Okay, so it kind of wakes up your taste buds. It gets it ready for that sort of citrus note that you sh- you should get. Mm-hmm. Um, or in this one, it's just kind of it's just a good mixture. Um, of flavors. Hmm, It's also kind of like when people put, what, like salt on the rim on a margarita or whatever. It's just kind of like palate cleanser. Mm Kind of gets gets you ready for the next drink. And it just kind of enhances the whole. It's also kind of just looks cool, right? That's true. If you're on the beach, that's cool enough, I think, though. I mean, if you're on the beach, that's cool. But if you come with a Ziploc baggie of pre-cut lemons to put in this, Mm. expert level. Totally. It's not your first day at the beach. No, no. That's Dolan level expert. Right oh there. yeah, dude. Right. For, that's where I learned it from. Oh, okay. This is this is good. I think as wheat beers go, mm-hmm. like, I mean, clearly the standard now for me even a wheat beer is Boulevard. Yeah. But see, in this one, it says right on the can, this one will be good with an orange peel. So this must have. Oh. What does it say? Coriander. What's in this thing? Yeah. Here we go. What does it say rich wheat flavor combined with German Hallertau hops. Mm-hmm. Hallertau. Hops and a fine thanks again to the Germans. Yeah, right? uh, and a final dose of coriander. Yep. What's coriander? It's just like a, a spice. Okay. Uh, cor- dose of coriander makes for an extremely refreshing brew. Serve with orange wedge for mm-hmm. added enjoyment. If you ever see coriander on a can or a bottle, you're gonna tie that with oranges. Like that's the flavor combination that you want. That goes really good together. So it's like a citrusy kind mm-hmm. of. Yep. Spice. 
Yeah, I would say so. And it's usually mostly, you're only going to usually see that in, in, in a wheat beer or half a bison or whatever. Okay. Isn't that the blue moon thing? Mm-hmm. It's, it's oranges and coriander. coriander. Yep. Okay. So that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. So the research I did for this one, because like you said, we've done a couple of different wheat ones. And that logo is, I would love that on a shirt. That is cool. Um, but what I did was I, I researched just the history of tiki or tiki culture. Okay. Here in the United States. All right. So it basically started, it's a style, right? It's like mm-hmm. an architectural style. It's an interior decoration style. Okay. Um, in 1933. And it was started by, uh, let's see if I got this right. The name of the place is called, it was then Don's Beachcomber, which was a tiki bar in Hollywood, Florida. Okay. And that was opened, yeah, 1933. And then in 1936, a little bit north of that, uh, in Oakland, uh, was a place called Trader Vic's, which you may have heard Absolutely. of for their mm-hmm. like rum right now. Mm-hmm. So tiki drinks are always based rum drinks, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a Polynesian island thing or a Caribbean island thing, really, just islands in general, uh, rum. So most of the drinks that they make are strong and they are rum-based. Okay. Um, the general aesthetic of the tiki bar or tiki lounge or whatever mm-hmm. is... Um, you're going to have palm trees. You're going to have probably fake, but what's supposed to look like wooden carved masks or almost like a totem pole, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're going to have torches. Tiki torches are a thing. And then like the glassware, always going to have a face on it of some sort. Hmm. Okay. And that's just the style. Um, the first time Polynesian or tiki culture came to like the mainstream we'll call it uh i found 1939 there was a world's fair it was in california and that was the first time that like basically the hawaiian lifestyle or whatever was brought to the united states okay um the other thing that i found that i thought was interesting um and why it became so popular because this was kind of a thing like in the 40s and 50s it was a huge um cultural thing kind of like in the teens and 20s um egyptian revival was a thing okay because they were discovering the pyramids and they were opening them and all this stuff was there Mm -hmm. and then that kind of basically spread across the globe and it was influencing architecture and jewelry design Mm -hmm. and all sorts of stuff and the same sort of thing happened with tiki culture and that was because in 1947 there was this norwegian explorer and he had a theory basically that people could have traveled a long time ago, from Central America to the Polynesian Islands or Hawaii or however you want to think of it. Mm-hmm. So he did an, an exploration, basically, which seems late, 1947, right? Right. That's after World War II. Right. He goes down to Peru, and with the help of some of the locals there, he builds a raft that was made out of the only materials that th- that people would have had a long time ago. So like balsa wood was one. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, vegetable or vegetation ropes, like stuff that he could have made or the people could have made there. Sure. And he took it from Peru and he floated it to the islands. And he made it. And he detailed it in a book that he wrote, like a journal, and then it became a best-selling book. And then they made like a documentary about it. And then they turned it into, I think, even a TV show, like in the early 50s. But this dude was from Norway and he was like a worldwide star. He was like Amelia Earhart for a little bit of time. Because he floated across this thing. Yeah. And because he did it, um, he was popular. And, and that whole culture of when he got there, he brought all that back. 
and everybody was really interested because there's basically magazines and photos of all the stuff that he saw when he got there, that hmm. sort of thing. Hmm. Um, the other thing I've, I thought that was kind of cool, um, everything is, at least for us now, is a lot of nostalgia-driven things. Mm-hmm. So especially you and I are looking back to the 80s and 90s, and those are like when we were growing up, that was what was cool, and we're into right. it now. That's the same sort of stuff that happened in the 60s. So in the 60s, they looked back to the 40s to see, you know, take inspiration or whatever. And that's when this sort of stuff was happening. So one of the biggest shows of all time in the 60s was Gilligan's Island. Right. Which is like if you think about a tiki sort of vibe, that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Absolutely. And in the early 70s, Dolan, I don't know if you're going to know about this one, but Rich is going to know. Mm-hmm. Probably the quintessential episode of the Brady Bunch is the one where they go to Hawaii. Yes. They find the tiki idol. Mm-hmm. Bad luck happens. There's a tarantula. I'm not going to spoil it for you in case you want to watch it on Amazon later or whatever, but that was early 70s. Yeah. And that was just a throwback to the time. So uh, it was kind of all happened within 30 or 40 years of itself. There's still a little bit of tiki culture out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, and I looked up because I, I went there earlier in January for the first time I ever went to a tiki bar, okay. and that was in Vegas. And that's called Frankie's Tiki Hut, I think. And it's been open for 60 years or so in Vegas. It's open 24 hours a day. It used to be in Vegas, you had to buy your beer at like a packaged liquor store, Mm kind of like what we were talking about in Kansas. Right. Um, And that's what it used to be. And then it turned into a tiki bar. And it's been that for ever since. So like since the 50s, I think. Um, But other places have them. There's one in San Francisco in the basement of a hotel that they turned their old swimming pool into a tiki bar. And they have like a floating, um, basically it looks like a barge that is done in tiki style and bands play on it. And it's dark and they have like fire all around. Really? Yeah, it looks really cool. I saw Hmm. Anthony Bourdain did it one time Hmm. on one of his shows. I always wanted to check that place out. But um, there is, I don't even know if there's anything really in Omaha that's tiki related. Trader Vic's is still around. The other place I mentioned earlier isn't, but Trader Vic's Mm -hmm. was like a like a chain mm-hmm. and they're still around like as far as bar and restaurant sort of thing. Yep. Um, the tiki culture brought about two things that you've probably had or tried Mai Tais mm-hmm. and crab rangoons oh. came from tiki. No kidding. You can get the Polynesian sauce at Chick-fil-A. There you go. Polynesian sauce. Oh. Dip it in there. Yep. Wear your grass skirt. It tastes better. Dolan with that more knowledge today. We just need to mic him up. I, we might have to. Yeah. We're not going to give him any of the beer though. No. No, he has enough of that. No, that's right. There's a uh, so there's uh, there's a tiki bar that I I frequent often in Esses Park, Colorado. What's which it called? Seems weird. It's called Tiki Bar. Hmm. Just a tiki bar. It's right on. There's two rivers that that cut through the town. And, oh yeah. And there's Fall River that comes down, and then there's oh, God the other one. I can't remember the name of it. That it it meets up with it, and it's right on the river, and grass hut looking place. The couple that runs it, they live right there too. It looks like a, it looks like a house, but then the bottom part is like the tiki bar. Yeah, and this guy is all about it. Like he's got tiki tattoos, yeah. and they're making island drinks, and it's fun. It's like island in the middle of the mountains. It's I like it. Is it by that uh, by that pizza place? It is by. It's right behind. So kind of by the post office. Yeah. If you know where the post office yep. is, it's right there. Now, cool. sadly, I, I don't know if this is gonna. I don't know where this is at, but. The uh, and this is a huge point of contention in in Estes Park, their local politics. They're doing this thing called the Loop. The Loop is going to um, so there's only one way into the into Rocky Mountain National mm-hmm. Park and then one way out. Where there's two ways in and out right now, 
and I think the uh, the tiki bar is eminent domain. Oh, and isn't going to last long. So I, I don't know where that's at. Yeah. I'm not sure. Hopefully he can move it or do something. If I hope if so. That's his passion. Hopefully he can keep it doing. Yep. Tiki is cool, and it's like a subculture still right now. And there's people that collect vintage tiki mugs and cups, and like some of them are worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Wow, like you le- get legit. Because there's like uh, you know artists that have made some of these things, mm-hmm. and uh, they still make them today. Um, you can get. I was looking online. There's places you can buy them pretty cheap. You can get them expensive. Um, I follow a guy on Instagram that that's whole. He's I think his handles like tiki cheapy. Or it's, or Chippy, maybe, C-H-I-P-P-E-E, something like that. Mm-hmm. And all he posts are his, his collection of vintage tiki mugs oh. and shirts and stuff like that. Um, really cool. It's kind of a, it's like a subculture that I can be, I could get into. Yep. And because uh, I look good in a Hawaiian shirt, Dolan. I don't know if you knew that, but I do. <laughs> My wife would not agree with that, but yeah. she's not here. So, sure. Um, that's what I know. That's what I learned. That's what I know about that's, uh, tiki. That's, I, I learned way more about tiki now than. So now I've got something to talk to him about when I go back to to Estes Park. There you go. They have weird hours though. Like he's definitely on island time. Like it's yeah. Some days he's open. Some days he's not. Eh, you know, some days island time is a real thing. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Dolan time. It is. It is like Dolan time. It's a slightly more reliable than Dolan time though. That's true. Maybe so. I am Pacific Island. He oh that makes so it, much sense. It, all is coming together. Huh. S- Samoan, you got some Samoan in you, maybe. <laughs> Filipino. Filipino. Okay. okay. All right. I, I guess I think I knew that. So, all right. So Dolan's way more tiki culture than we are. He is cultured. I knew that about him though. He True. Is so cultured. I think you're giving him too much credit now. Probably. You know what I'm actually getting? Do you have any of this left? Yep. As it warmed up, I'm almost getting like a floral note at the end. A almost bit. like. Uh, mm-hmm. um, oh, there's a flower that people are, have been putting in beer. Zipline has one. It's real. It's hibiscus. Oh, it's almost like that. A little bit. Yeah. That there's a really Boulevard again does a really good hibiscus. It's yeah. Mm, that's man. Mm-hmm. I'm I've been impressed with both of these beers. Right. Thank like, you. I don't normally. I would never ever go to a bar and just order a, a wheat beer. A wheat like, beer. That's right. not me. But oh. if somebody put this in front of me, I would be so happy. Mm-hmm. There's really there's four more of these back here back there. So. Well, there were till Dylan found mm, True. Heather, you're going to need to send some more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go back down to the island. Yeah. On island time and pick up a couple. Yep. So, Heather, thank you so much for sending these to us. I yeah, really, been... or sending these, bringing these to us. She uh, put these in on her uh, checked bag last time she was here nice. and brought them up to us. So, anytime you want to bring us some more, we'll, uh, they've got 11 different other beers on tap. That's there. right. Bring we us need, some more. We need to try all of them, I think, now. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Mark Deloso makes a, makes a pretty good beer here. And he's got some cool, whoever's doing his logos and designs on those cans, doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, I, I didn't bring my list, so next week, I can't tease next week's because I don't remember which, which one it is. It's okay. It'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. We got some fun ones coming up for November here, though. We've we got do. A, there's a couple. There's a grapefruit one I don't want to spoil too much yeah. about because it's a brand. That it, it's, a, it's a style that we haven't done yet. Okay. That everyone mispronounces. Oh boy! I got. Uh, I was at Old Chicago last Friday, and I ordered and I ordered one of these, and he called it a goose. Oh, I got you. And I'm like, You're well, like, no, nope. no, nope, that's not how it's I'm, pronounced. Yeah. He's like, well, I call it goose, and then he walked away. So. Like you're not Maverick, knock it off. Exactly, it's a Top Gun joke, guys. Uh, and then we've got another. We got another stout that I chose, mm-hmm. which is super weird. I think but... we might even have a guest star on that one. Oh yes, yeah, awesome. Not Dolan. No, not Dolan. Okay, 
Not Nolan. All right, so we've got we've got an awesome November lined up. Please subscribe uh, either in, in uh, iTunes or on SoundCloud as we share these out on on Facebook and other uh, social media uh, platforms. Please uh, please subscribe and, and turn on the notifications. So every what day is this? What what, what day are these? Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Dolan? Wednesday. So every Wednesday, um, it's 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 Alcohol Wednesday here at Atlas. It's yeah. uh, we do the beer with Atlas, and then we also air the Wino Wednesday. Um, each each day, so or each each Wednesday. It's a good way to get through the week. Just got to get to Wednesday, right? Got to get to Wednesday. And then it's downhill from there. All right, perfect. We'll see you next week. Bye.